הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של דורנו, וכל הצדיקים האמיתיים שוכני עפר קדוש משבר ארצמה. ובפרט לרבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם, נחן לובה מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן סגה. נא נח נחמן נחמן מאומן זכותם תגן עלינו מכל ישראל אמן. בעזרת השם, today we start off at section 5 of lesson 55 from the word וזהו. We left off last time, we just talked about the idea that now that צדיק has strength to see from afar, to see that the the righteousness of God that Hashem is tzaddik ve'asha that Hashem is straight and He's righteous that even though it seems on the surface level that the rasha is getting away with with judgment the truth is actually Hashem never um, Hashem never denies any creature's due reward as we saw in the Gemara Pesachim and um, when the tzaddik is able to see this um, his emunah strengthens He's able to pray. And um, he's divested and removed from the heart, his crooked heart. Okay. This is the aspect of what is spoken about with regard to the para aduma. Um, that it says about the para aduma, afar va'efer. Afar, dust, efer, ashes. Dust and ashes. Look in Bamidbar, chapter 19. Um... Chapter, nine, uh, chapter 19, verses 10, 17, I believe, etc., etc. Um, over there, chapter 19 of Bamidbach. For the aspect of prayer needs this concept of dust and ashes that is said about the paraduma. For a person must subdue the evil, whether it's in specific or in general. Evil must be subdued in both of these categories, specific and general. It must be subdued under the control of good. Bifrinat, as it says in Malachi, chapter 3, You will crush the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Look in the Zohar, Pekudeh, Daf, Resh, Lamed, Zayin, Amud, Bet, with regard to this. But basically, as it's brought in Malachi, you will crush the wicked and they shall be ashes under the soles of the feet. Basically, the wicked will become these con- this concept of ashes. Efer. This is the aspect of Efer. The ashes that exist within the aspect of prayer. Regel, the leg also is the aspect of prayer. This leg is the aspect of prayer. Meaning the leg, that we're, the feet that we're talking about here. That the Reshaim will be subdued under the feet, meaning that the Reshaim will be crushed under our feet. This feet is the aspect of prayer. Bifchinat, as it says, Ragli amdave mishor vechulei. It says in Tehilim, my foot stood up straight. My foot um, stood up straight. Basically, that um, the concept of feet is the concept of amdave mishor. Amda, I believe, is this concept of amida, which is prayer. So the feet represents this concept of prayer. And the evil in the particular, meaning within the physical body and the corporeality of the body, will be nullified during the aspect during the time of prayer. Just like the first chasidim, the first righteous individual, that it said about the first chasidim that they would completely divest themselves of physicality during their prayer. Um, that during their prayer they were completely removed from materialism. 
as it's brought down, look in the Shulchan Aruch, Orachaim Siman Tzadik Chet, over there. So this is the evil in particular, that one nullifies during an aspect of prayer, during the time of prayer. But the evil in general, meaning the prayers of those sinners of the Jewish people that pray among the kahal, among the congregation. That you should nullify their evil. The evil that exists within them. So the first gen, the particular evil, the, the evil that exists within each and every person must be nullified during the time of prayer, meaning to get rid of your physicality. The second evil, which is the evil that exists at the general level, is the evil that we must subdue of the sinners of Am Yisrael that are praying. We have to subdue their evil and to make from the evil that exists within those posh'e the sinners of the Jewish people, a vehicle for holiness. This represents the efer, the ashes of prayer. So now we explain the ashes of prayer in general and in particular. That you must subdue the physicality of each and every, that each and every person must subdue his physicality during the time of prayer, and that we also must subdue the evil that exists within the sinners of Am Yisrael. This is the effer, the ashes. Um, how do we know this is the ashes? Because the ashes, as we saw in the verse, they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. And what are the feet? We said it's prayer amda. It's the aspect of. And what's Mishor? Yashar also. The straightness, meaning that the tzaddik is now able to pray when his heart is straight. So we see that the feet represent Yashar. The feet represent this concept of prayer, as we just proved. Um, which means what? And what's under our feet? The ashes. So you must subdue the ashes, which is this evil, under the aspect of prayer. Meaning during the time a person prays, he must subdue the evil, uh, which is considered the effer in this case. So, um, this is the ashes that we have to basically um, put under the soles of our feet and we have to subdue them in both the, the brat in the particular level and the general level. Now we're going to discuss the afar, the dust concept in prayer. What is the dust of prayer? The dust concept within prayer? Meaning to tie, to bind oneself in general and in specific to the souls, to the nefesh, to the the nefesh, the ruach and the neshama, the spirit and the neshama of all those who rest in the dust. And you have to awaken those neshamot, those nefesh, the ruach, those neshamot within the dust and awaken them while this person is praying so that they should pray with him. It says, awaken and sing out those who dwell in the dust. Meaning those tzaddikim who dwell in the dust, we have to awaken them so that they should pray with us. Let him put his mouth to the dust, to the dust. Meaning to attach his mouth to those who are in the dust. Meaning what? That his mouth should be attached to those who are also in the dust so that they should pray as well. This what Avram said in his prayer in chapter 18 of Bereshit. Behold, now I've begun to speak to God that I am dust and ashes. So we see here this concept that Abraham is hinting to this, con- to this idea that Rabban was teaching us to attach our prayers, our speaking to God, to the effer, to the dust, to, sorry, to the afar, the dust, meaning to those who dwell in the dust. Because this is necessary 
um, in the concept of prayer. This is what we call tefillah in a congregation, prayer in a congregation. For the letters of tzibur, congregation, is an acronym for three categories. Tzibur. You have tzadik, bet, resh, tzadikim, benonim, reshaim. Those righteous people, the benonim, those who are in the middle, half sins, half merit, reshaim, and those who have more sins outweighing their merits. These are reshaim. Benoni, hu amit palel, The benoni is the one praying. As it said in the Gemara Kiddushin, A person should always see himself as if he's half meritorious and half on the aspect of guilt. As um, the Gemara Kiddushin, meaning that he's Benoni. Tzadikim zeo b'chinat afar. The tzadikim are the aspect of the dust. Reshaim zeo b'chinat efer kanan. The reshaim are the aspect of the ashes. How do we know that? We saw above that the, the ashes under our feet. Meaning we have to subdue the ashes, ashes, the aspect of evil under our feet, which is prayer. During our prayer, we have to remove and nullify the concept of ashes in general and in specific. Afar, dust, this is those who dwell in the dust, the tzaddikim, who are already have passed away. We have to awaken them so that they pray with us. And the benonim are us, the ones who are praying right now. Awaken those who dwell in the dust. There is this concept that exists within the practical, the particular and the general level. The particular These are the portions of the nefesh and the ruach and the neshama that exist within this person who is praying. That already have come in a gilgul, in, in a reincarnation and have been already rectified. And the general of the aspect of dust. This is the nefesh ruach and shema that exists within those who dwell in the dust. That he, this person who is praying, who has the portion of nefesh ruach and shema that exists within him that has already been rectified, he should awaken the nefesh ruach and shema of those who are in the dust already so that they should pray with him. This is the aspect of the shiva shiva, the many sevens that are said with regard to the para, that the entire subject of the para duma is the number seven, um, and that there are seven washings, seven priests, seven kohanim, etc., etc., this represents all prayer. How do we know prayer represents the concept of seven? I praise you seven times daily. David HaMelech. So we see here this concept of seven. He said about prayer, just as it said about the Paraduma. So we see the connection. Rabbeinu also said that pers- what a person must do during his prayer. He must rectify in his prayer the aspect of the three voices. The first one being, as it says in Kohelet, the voice of the foolish is in too many words. Meaning those who speak too many words, too much, has a, fool of, has a foolish voice. The second aspect, Shemot Lamed Bet, as brought in Shemot chapter 32, the sound of song I am listening to. That's the second one. I'm listening to the sound of song. And the third voice, what? Chapter 44. My humiliation is before me always. 
Mikol mecharef umgadef at the sound of the one who is a one who embarrasses and who's a who's a blasphemer. Who who vilifies vilifies. So we see here, this is the third voice. You must rectify these three voices during prayer. This represents the concept of the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the shnitolaat, and the scarlet wool, that is said about the para'aduma. Those three aspects that are said about the para'aduma, um, which correspond to these three voices that a person must rectify during his prayer. So when a person rectifies these three voices during the prayer, he's able to bring into manifestation these three things that are said about the para'aduma. The cedar wood represents this voice, the, the voice of the foolish, who are the voice of the foolish, which is heard in too many words. What is berov dvarim? Many words. This is the berov hanagot, the many false emunot the many false practices and beliefs. This represents the ways of the emori people, the aspect of those who are. Almost idol worship. Uh, for a fool believes every single thing. chapter 14. So this is the first voice that one must rectify. This represents the concept of Erez. It says about the Erez. I destroyed the Emori. Sorry. And it finishes off over there. The Emori people who are as tall as cedars. So we see the Emori are corresponding to the cedars. And what's Emori? Dachei Emori, the ways of the Emori, meaning those people who don't believe in God, who have false, false beliefs, false, false faiths, superstitions. So these Dachei Emori are the same Emori which are compared to cedar trees. Rabbanu teaches us something huge. That the majority of tall people, very people who have high stature, they are foolish. As Baron Sefema said to Via in Olam Akatan, Bet, I believe, um, as is written over here, um, that the majority of very tall people are foolish. For the fact that they are tall, they have high stature. That the vapors that ascend from the heart to the mind, in order for the mind to cook these vapors and to bring from them these vapors and to create thoughts from them. That these vapors which have to ascend from the heart all the way to the mind are weakened by the length of the journey that it takes. Because longer people have a longer, taller people have a longer passageway from the heart to the mind. Meaning there's more distance from the mind to the heart. That the, there's a longer journey from the heart to the mind. For the fact that their stature is so tall. And they're not, it is not in their ability to create from these vapors intelligent thoughts. And because of this, the tall people are mostly on the scale of the aspect of foolishness. This represents superstitious beliefs. These way, the way of the Yemori people that they have no sechel, no intellect. For the fact that their 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 height is as if they are as high as cedars, which are very tall. It's for this reason that they believe many false beliefs. 
but those who are small in stature, that their vapors from their heart are actually cooked very well in their mind. And from these vapors are created very intelligent thoughts. But because their intellect is greater than their good act, about the person whose wisdom is greater than his acts. When this intelligent thought returns back to the heart, it doesn't, these very small people don't have enough strength within their mind to contain their mind. To con- sorry, don't, they don't have strength in their heart to contain this intellectual thought. For the main strengthening of the heart, the main, the the, the main strength of the heart comes through good act. Through this, they fall into the aspect of what it says in Mishle. Will he purchase wisdom when the heart is not when the heart is ein, lacking? When the heart is nothingness, meaning when the heart is nothing. Can a person purchase wisdom? Meaning what? This is a reference to the person who's very small, whose vapors are cooked well, who has intelligent thoughts, but his heart doesn't con- not able to contain that sechel. Why? For the fact that his heart isn't strengthened through his good acts. And through this intellect, they fall into sin. These are those people who are considered philosophers. So are those people who are foolish who end up on the stature who are very tall. The small people are, end up in the context of the philosophy who have much more wisdom which outweigh their good deeds. They don't have a good they don't have a pure heart and a good heart. They don't fall into the aspect of what it says in Tehilim. In my heart I stored your word. So that I should not send to you. They do not fall in this category. Basically, that their heart is not able to store this intelligence and able to bring from this a good act. No, they don't fall into this category. And it's for this reason that this intellect is able to bring them into even greater sin. These philosophers fall into the aspect of the Ezov, the Hisip, that emerges from the wall. This Ezov references those who are low in stature. These are people with great intelligence. But the heart is not able to, to store the strength of the mind within it. For their hearts are very weak and lacking because they are lacking good deeds. And specifically, the sexually immoral people. That engage within the wisdom of philosophy. That this sexual immorality damages them tremendously. Their wisdom damages them. Meaning that their wisdom doesn't bring them good. It damages them tremendously for their hearts are lacking. That the Noef Isha, the one who is an adulterer with a woman, lacks a heart. One who's an adulterer, one who who commits adultery, lacks a heart, meaning his sexually immoral um, immorality, um, then needs him not to be able to store that intelligence. 
This is the hisab that emerges from the wall. What are the wall? The walls of the heart. That we know this. That the intellect emerges via the walls of the heart. And the intellect is not able to stay within the walls of the heart. It has to go out. It's not able to contain itself. The intellect is not able to be contained within the heart. As it says, Meaning they are not that the heart is not able to contain this intellect. As it says in the verse, I stored your word within my heart. It's not able to fulfill this. This is the second voice which we talked about. What I hear is the sound of song. This is the sound of embarrassment and blasphemy. That they blaspheme the klape mala, the one above, because of their chokma. They literally deny God because of their wisdom. And upon them, these philosophers, it says, don't be excessively wise. So we see here. The philosophers represent the second voice, and the hisip, or the first voice, represents the this superstitious ones, those people who lack wisdom. Um, they are the cedar. The third one, Ushnitola, the scarlet wool, this represents the third sound. That the person has embarrassed uh, ridicule and shame from his enemy. All day, my humiliation is standing before me. And my shame covers my face. Or sorry, the shame of my face covers me. From the sound of the vilifier and the one who embarrasses. Meaning the sound of the one who embarrasses and who blasphemes. This represents We see the word tolaat. This concept of scarlet wool is used within the verse of humiliation. I'm a worm. So here we use tolat in the in the ter- context of the paradoma as the scarlet wool. But here, Rabbi Nat, uh, sorry, David Amelech uses the word tolat as tolat in the context of, of a worm. I'm a worm and not a man. Vilified by men and humiliated by people. Humiliated by people. This concept of Tola'at, we see the same word as Tola'at, scarlet wool, has the same letters as the Tola'at, the worm, which David Amenach uses in the context of humiliation. So we see Tola'at, the scarlet wool, represents the voice of humiliation, which we saw above. This, this represents the three things which I said about the Parah, the first one being Shrita, slaughtering. The second one being Shrefa, the burning of the para, and the third one being Asifa, the gathering. Shehem Shalosh Bachinot Elu, Shrita, meaning that these three aspects, we're about to see now how they connect. Shrita, the slaughtering, this is the aspect of nullifying the beliefs of those who are foolish, those Dachea Mori, those superstitious beliefs. As we see in the verse in Hoshea, where does Shrita come about? At the Hoshea, Veshachata Shrita. The slaughter, setim hemiku, by the wayward was even worse. 
Meshachata Setin Hemiku. Srefa, so we see the second one being, so we see that the Shrita, but the Setim, those who are wayward, Hemiku is way worse. Those wayward are representing those people who have false beliefs. Fall into the Dachemori category. Srefa, the burning of the para. This represents strengthening the That one is able to contain the words of wisdom within the heart. My heart has grew hot within me. For now, that's a fact. For the fact that the words of intellect have been retained in the heart, the heart has been heated up. For the intellect is like a contained fire. This represents the burning. Why? The burning represents heat. The gathering, the final piece. This represents the nullifying, the embarrassment of those enemies. The shame that the enemies try to attack us with. That God gathered away my, my shame. And we see that Asaf, which represents this Asifa, this gathering of the ashes as brought with regard to the Paradoma, is the same gathering that is this idea with regard to shame. Chapter 30. This represents nullifying the third voice. So we see this is how one rectifies the three voices. And all of this that we mentioned above, a person must rectify during his prayer. To elevate those who succumb to false beliefs, superstitious beliefs, to elevate them in the prayer to true faith, which is prayer, and to instill within their hearts true, complete faith. The second thing to rectify is to rectify the hearts of those people who analyze, meaning the, the analytical hearts of those philosophical men, so that their hearts of these philosophical people, these philosoph- philosophers, are able to contain the wisdom within their hearts, so that the, the, the wisdom doesn't damage them, and doesn't make them sin, so that the philo- uh, philosophers should come into the aspect, what it says in Tehnim, and my heart, I stored your word. This is done through the intention a person's heart, the intention of a person's heart during his prayer. But again, the imam, through this, through the intention of one's heart, through the kavanah a person has with his heart during prayer, he's able to rectify the hearts of these philosoph- uh, philosophers. And to turn all these embarrassments, these vilifications, and to turn them into chavod, honor. Because when a person stands in the chamber of the king and nullifies himself from absolutely everything, and he sees nothing except for the king himself, it's certain that whenever he listens to himself being embarrassed or some sort of vilification, shame, he interprets this vilification, this shame, as basically being a glorification of God. Because how is it that one can come into the chamber of the king and embarrass the king? It's certain that these words are actually words of honor. 
Basically, when this person is in the chamber of the king and there's nothing there except for God himself because this is true between prayer. When a person is literally there but he's not even there himself, he doesn't even recognize he's there. So it's God. So when he's listening to this embarrassment, it's certain that he's not thinking of it as embarrassment at all because the only person present in that chamber is God himself. So how can, it be, how can there be, God forbid, something to say that we can even say that there's a shame to Hashem? No, God forbid. Actually, the shame is not shame at all. It's actually giving God honor. But we're trying to understand. But the person recognizes this because he knows that it seems on the outside shame but it's not at all the person is now able to analyze this, these words how to express them and combine them so that they should become an honor for Hashem and a person shouldn't think that perhaps these vilifications and these shames are embarrassed at the, are directed at the person not at the king maybe, but maybe it's actually directed at the person who's inside the chamber. Ze'eno, this can't be. Kimihu, for who is he? Hasn't he nullified his material existence? Meaning, it can be directed at this person, for this person doesn't exist at all in the chamber. He has made himself nothing. Then, the only person that exists here, not a person, it's actually God himself. And this is what it says in Tehidim, and in his chamber, Everyone says honor, meaning there's no such thing as vilification, embarrassment, etc. It's all kavod. All the sayings that we hear in the chamber must be combined to be created from these words into honor. And at the time of prayer, a person stands in the chamber of the king. Hashem, open up my lips. This represents chamber. This is why a person must make from all these embarrassments combinations of letters that honor the king. And through a proper tefillah that shines, sorry, through a proper prayer, a prayer that's in order, the light of the merit of our forefathers is able to shine. It says in the Zohar, Shalach Lecha, the merit of our forefathers is activated. This is done. The activation of the light of the Avot is created through proper prayers. For now, the, the merit of the forefathers has been activated. It says in chapter 32 of Shemot, how is this Avot brought up? Through the word Vayechal Moshe, through what it says in Shemot, Vayechal Moshe, Moshe begged, implored, he prayed. What's Vayechal from the word Chala? Meaning now the Zechut Avot is Chala, it's activated, and play on the word Vayechal Moshe. Meaning through the Vayechal Moshe, now the Zechut Avot is Chala. Through the begging of Moshe, now the Zechut Avot is Chala, which is activated. Through the aspect of prayer, meaning when Moshe prays, the Zechut Avot is brought into existence. Now that the Avot are present, the Shechina is present, which represents the Chala, which represents the Chala, what Chala, the bread, Gamzot. And what does Chala represent? Shechina represent? Gamzot, also this. Ki Gam, Bechinat Chala, for Gam, when it says Gam also, this represents Chala, Shehi Shi'ur Mem Gimel Betim, why? For Chala, if you look in Shulchan Aruch, the shiur, the measurement of a chala, 
as a bar in the Torah, when it says chala, it's a measurement of 43 eggs. Mem gimel betim. Mem gimel is a play on the words gam. Switch mem gimel and you turn into gimel mem. You have gam. Meaning it's the same numerical value. This represents the inheritance of the land of Israel. For this mitvah of chala was commanded upon us when we did enter the land immediately. One of the three mitvot, I believe, that was one of the mitvot that was commanded to Am Yisrael when we enter the land was to do chala. Or one of the mitvot that was commanded once we enter the land was chala. Or sorry, that we would have to do this mitzvah of chala once we enter the land. As it says in the verse, and it will be that you shall, and it shall be whenever you will eat from the bread of the land, you shall set aside an elevated gift. And it says in another verse, from the first of your needing, you shall set aside chala as an elevated gift. For the fact, because of the fact that the avot are present, the shechina represents the chala. For chala represents Eretz Yisrael. We know shechina represents Eretz Yisrael, but how does chala represent Eretz Yisrael? From the verse that we just explained, that the second we enter the land of Israel, we had to bring in chala. We had to do chala. So we see that chala is Eretz Yisrael and shechina is Eretz Yisrael. So shechina is chala. And through the concept of Israel, not only are you saved from the evil eye of the wicked, but also you are able to affect upon the wicked person what he wanted to happen to you. And until they surpass the fantasies of their hearts. Until now, they surpassed the fantasies of their heart. That they accomplished more than what they had hoped. And now, through the concept of Vayechal, through the, what's Vayechal? The Chala Zechutavot, the activation of the merit of our forefathers, which is done through what? Whenever we give this Chala uh, gift, this Teruma, this donation, through the concept of Eretz Yisrael, which is Chala, which is this, um, we just explained. You create this sick heart. That their hearts are made sick. By deferred hope. When their hearts are completely weak. Meaning what? The Rishayim wanted to do something to us. But through activating this chut of the Avot, we were able to nullify whatever they thought they could do to us. And we ended up doing what we thought, well, even more than we hoped to. They thought they could do something to us, but they, um, they were not able to. And then we accomplished and gave the same punishment to the Rishayim, what they wanted to do to us, just like Mordechai, um, Gave back to Haman. Haman wanted to hang him up on a, an, a tree that is 50 amount high, but Haman actually ended up getting hung on his own tree. See the same here, Midah, Kneged Midah. This is what it says. Kaveh Hashem, Ushmor Darko, it's in Hope in Hashem and keep his way. 
This represents the rectification of prayer. Which represents drawing the bow. This represents prayer. Drawing the bow is prayer. Why? For there are three colors of the rainbow. Which represent the light of the three avot. Which shines. This represents the three colors of the rainbow. Which is... Now we understand prayer because through prayer we activate the avot by Echal Moshe creates the Chala Zechut Avot. And all through the three Zechut Avot you create these three colors of the rainbow of this bow which represent the three colors of the avot. Through this it says in Tehilim at the end of the verse from Odako and he'll raise you high to, to inherit the land. And whenever you are able to inherit the land of Israel, when the Reshaim are destroyed, you'll witness it. Meaning now we will be able to see the Reshaim fall. As Hashem says, sit to my right hand, sit to my right hand, until I make, while I make your enemies your footstool. This is what it says in Shepherd faith. Meaning through faith, which is prayers we saw above. Through this, we can come to Eretz Israel. And the final section, section 10. Not every person is capable of rectifying these, these three voices during his prayer. Because sometimes, these voices that we mentioned above, within this person's prayer, they come from Reshaim that are much greater than he. Because we said these voices, we must subdue within the Rasha that exists within the corporeality of our body, sometimes within the Rasha of the congregation. But sometimes this voice comes from the Rasha which is so strong. Until literally anyone who stands in front of this voice, tries to rectify this voice, who stands in front of the voice of this Rasha, is put into danger. His soul is in danger. And for this, to rectify this voice, you need an awesome prayer, a great prayer. Just like the prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu, upon him be peace. And even Moshe Rabbeinu, we see, had fear from Og, the king of Bashan. For Og had a grasp upon the concept of the right side. He had a hold on, on close to the right. Which we said, Eretz Yisrael is Benjamin, the son of the south, which is for Benjamin was born in Eretz Yisrael. Until HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe, Al-Tirato, do not fear Og, do not fear him. Ki Amar, for he said, For what did Hashem tell Mo, Moshe Rabbeinu, as the born of the Zohar, Parashat Chukat? My right hand has departed. Meaning Og, who he was close to the right hand, no, my right hand is gone. Meaning that hand which we said Og would receive a strength from because we thought that Og would escape judgment which exists at Hashem's hand. No, actually through that hand which had departed, the shade then came into existence. That Moshe was covered by the shade of Hashem and that was able to basically defeat Og. Og's strength came from the right. Why? For Og came from the house of Avraham. As we know. Um, as we know, look in the Zohar, Kadosh over there. And his land is near, is close to Eretz Yisrael. 
Og's land was near Eretz Yisrael, and this is why Moshe feared to antagonize Og. All the more so, we, other people, we have to scrutinize ourselves. We have to try to understand the root of where this Rasha we are trying to subdue the voice from comes from. We have to understand where the Rasha is placed. Whether we are able to fight him and to destroy him. This is where we'll stop for today. This little bit longer lesson today. But this most awesome, amazing teaching Abed was trying to teach us. Um, how it all ties together. Hashem will finish off the lesson next class. God willing.